Okay, hi everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Complete Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. We're really excited today. We're going to get to talk about some soccer, some Champions League that just finished up. And obviously the biggest news in the sporting world right now is Lionel Messi uh, putting in a a transfer request and uh, wanting to... um, Wanted to leave Barcelona. It's, uh, yeah, um, it set the world on fire. Uh, everybody's uh, speculating where he's going to go. And uh, we're, uh, we're going to discuss this with uh, Olivier Felpin. Uh, we've got uh, him joining us. Uh, he was with us a couple of weeks ago and we discussed some soccer and some basketball. And uh, he's able to join us today. Uh, Olivier is the technical director for the Juventus Soccer Academy down in San Antonio. And uh, they've been closed for a little while uh, over this pandemic, but uh, they're about to begin uh, uh, playing again uh, next week. And uh, yeah, I'm so glad you can join me today, Olivier. Uh, Thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here. So um, I I also really hope that you could join me today and tell me that uh, Messi's uh, joining Juventus and uh, I can scoop the world and uh, let let everyone know that uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi are finally going to become teammates in this superpower that uh, Juventus has always wanted to be. I wish I wish I had that scoop, man. But uh, it's been it's been quite interesting the last few hours for for many many reasons. First of all, the fact that uh, I cannot remember a moment like this in sport, that kind of announcement since pretty much Michael Jordan. You know, it is that big. I mean, Europe is on fire right now. Every club is talking about it. I mean, my own team, Dijon, is making fun about it. Like, oh, come on, come on, the secret is out. Yeah, no, (laughs) they're not going to get him. They would have to sell the city to get him. But one team will, and uh, based on, on what we know, it looks like Manchester City is in the lead. Uh, Manchester City uh, coach is Pep Guardiola, who used to coach Messi for four years in Barcelona. So they talked uh, last week already. Uh, We don't really know exactly what they discussed beyond the fact that apparently Messi asked him, is there a spot for me on your team? You know, can you make it happen financially? Which is the big question because Messi's value is it's a crazy number. I mean, uh, you know, there's a clause. It's, it's supposed to be 700 million euro. Whatever that means, I have no idea. Uh, but it's if I can be technical with you, he has a clause in his contract that allows him to, to be free as long as he announced that to Barcelona by June 1st. Because of COVID, every Champions League game has been pushed back. So... They got whooped by Bayern Munich 8-2. After that, he made his decision. It was done, but it was passed June 1st. So I'm sure that lawyers in Spain are going to have a (laughs) field dealing with that one. The reality of it is Messi wants out. He made it official. Barcelona is on fire. They had a board meeting where, I mean, people were getting fired and quitting right and left. President doesn't want to move right now. Uh, it's, it's, It's a political chess game. The, the biggest kind you can imagine. Uh, Manchester City does have the money to do so. PSG, the French team as well. I don't know of any real contact. I mean, of course, PSG is doing their due diligence like everybody else and contacting Messi. 
Inter Milan is on the list. Uh, Juventus has been on the list for a while. We can all dream. Uh, the reality, the financial reality is there's only a handle of teams that, that have that, that kind of money. Even if Messi is not going to leave for 700 millions, you know, he's 33 year old, uh, as good as he is, he's the best ever. Yes, he only has one year on his contract. And you, you know what it means when you only have one year on your contract, your value is whatever people are willing to pay for you. And uh, there, there's rumors as well that Manchester City, who has agreement with uh, New York FC uh, in the MLS, uh, already has some kind of pathway for him where he would play three years in England then move to the MLS to finish his career as an ambassador of the game. And so, I mean, there's news every five minutes right now. <laughs> it's quite exciting, uh, but that's the reality. There's only a couple of teams that can really make that happen because Barcelona is going to ask for something in return. And by something, I mean everything they can get, yeah. knowing that Messi is leaving. So. Yeah. Um... Obviously, uh, you, you mentioned the uh, the contract negotiations. Uh, he was supposed to have a clause in his contract where he could uh, become a free agent uh, if he had made that announcement. Um, he's been saying that um, because this COVID and the whole season got pushed back, um, that announcement can be made by the end of August. Uh, where do you think a, a court would rule? Do you think it's going to rule on the side of Messi that uh, he still be, be, can become this free agent? Uh, by the end of the season, or um, is it going to be the, by that date? Uh, who do you th do you think they'll rule for Barcelona, or do you think they'll rule for Messi? I'm, I'm not a lawyer, as you know, but uh, we are in unprecedented times, so it is what it is. Uh, uh, it's still not going to be enough. Laws are laws. I mean, it's, if it says June first, it is June first, but uh, he's going to leave. You know, the moment Messi decides he's leaving, the moment he makes it official, everybody's scrambling to find the best deal out there. You, you know perfectly well, I mean, you've dealt with that in the NBA or in the NHL. The moment a superstar wants to go, he's going to move. You can't force him to play. I mean, I, I, I imagine the locker room, and it, there's a new coach coming from Holland, Coman, if, if he gets there and Messi doesn't want to play for him, I mean... The season is done before they start. So they're going to have to find a way, despite what they're saying. Today, they had a press conference where one of their guys explained that Messi is there to stay. We're going to do everything we can to keep him. But they cannot. The reality is the moment Messi made that official, and that, that announcement has been growing in the last few years because Barcelona is not getting any better. They fired a coach he, he liked uh, last year. They... They just pretty much fire Suarez uh, in the last few days. By if, I, if I understand a phone call, uh, yeah, it, it's it's going very very bad in Barcelona, and it's it's difficult to to know exactly what is what is the truth, what is not. Uh, but, but what is clear is that the the fans are freaking out, and that the club has to find a solution, and that the value of Messi is is so crazy that you will never get what you want, especially in an urgency like this. Uh, the, the clause itself is just an argument for Barcelona to negotiate a little bit more. But he's gone. He's going to leave. So, uh, and again, Manchester City looks like they have all the cards in their hands. Uh, I do not see PSG being able to pull it because there's still financial limitation from you know, UEFA. Uh, they, they, they can't sign everybody. 
So the only way that PSG could get Messi would probably by letting Neymar go. But Neymar is 28, Messi is 33, Mbappé is 21. You don't touch Mbappé. So I think only Manchester City is playing that game right now. I see. Uh, could it be that, um, honestly, that 8-2 uh, that uh, shellacking that they took at the hands of Bayern Munich be, be that, that final straw? Uh, I mean, you know, he's had some fights with uh, Eric Abidal. He's um, obviously, you know, really upset with Suarez. I know he, you know, uh, was really a big uh, fan of playing with Neymar. And Neymar left, um, you know, not, not too far in the distant past. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, is it really over this 8-2 defeat that Bayern Munich uh, put on them in the, the semifinals of the Champions League? It's, it's the last straw, you know, it's the repetition of moments like this. Uh, Barcelona used to be a monster. Uh, they used to develop players with uh, La Masia. They, they are not doing that anymore. They change, they, they have money problems. Messi for the last few years uh, pretty much has been the tree that, I don't know if you say that in English, it's a typical French expression, the tree that hides the forest. Uh, does that make sense in English? Yeah, Messi yeah. has been doing everything he can, but as good as he is, you cannot win the Champions League uh, on your own, alone, just like he cannot win the World Cup alone. Uh, and that's why, yes, uh, he, he's been tired of it. He doesn't like the way the, the president of Barcelona deals with all those problems. Uh, and that, that's about it. And, and there's rumors that when uh, Kerman arrived uh, last week uh, as the new coach from Barcelona, he made it pretty clear to Messi that uh, he's the coach. And that means, you know, you're going to have to follow. And, you know, <laughs> He has to do it as a coach. It, it is a very difficult moment, you know, so. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, such shocking news. Uh, he joined their academy at 13 years old. Uh, he's been there um, 20 years. Uh, you know, it's um, uh, just, uh, you know, absolutely stunning that um, he would make that move. Uh, you mentioned when we talked last time that Messi was your guy. Uh, you know, he's, you know, he's one of the greatest football players, if not the greatest to ever live. Uh, you know, how does a relationship, uh, you know, that, that was so great, um, you know, this is the first time that they're not winning a major trophy in 12 seasons, uh, you know, so he's had uh, a massive amount of success there. Uh, you know, you can go over all the trophies. He's won 33 uh, major trophies, uh, you know, 700 goals, just, you know, just on and on and on and on. If you start, uh, you know, talking about all the things that he's done, uh, in Barcelona, um, you know, I'm amazed that a relationship uh, could be, you know, headed to divorce uh, after so much success and, and just, uh, you know, him, putting him on the world map as well as, as obviously Barcelona. But um, yeah, it, you know, to, to hear that he sent a fact saying, uh, I want out of here, uh, it's, just, it's just stunning news. Uh, we have one of the worst breakup uh, stories I've ever heard in my life. It's, it's an official email. It's, it's it, you know, we all... I, I believe every media in North America looked at that term. What does that mean? There's no facts anymore, even in Europe. So don't go there with, you know, Europe being, it's some kind of official email that is admitted for lawyers. And it has a weird name, I give you that. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's funny. It, it's very interesting and funny because, you know, it takes me back to Michael Jordan again. The moment Michael Jordan quit and came back with Washington, I was kind of like disgusted, but excited because you want more. You want to see maybe if Messi can put the Premier League on fire. 
it's the best league in the world. Can he play at that level? Because it's a very, very physical defense. Everything is faster. There's a reason why it's the best league in the world. And I, I, I mean, I remember I had so many discussions, just like everybody else who loves soccer, about can Messi play in England? Or will they break him after two games? Because there's some rough team over there. And now it may happen, and it's very exciting. And I'll tell you a little story that uh, I'm going to throw my son under the bus. He's going to hate me for this. He plays college in uh, soccer college in Canada. I'm not going to say where, but that's the first thing he said. He's a college kid. He's 21, and he said, I need his jersey. If he signs with City, I need the jersey. And there's going to be millions of people that are going to want that new jersey. So basically, the investment that Man City is going to do is it's kind of like when Neymar signed with PSG everybody wanted to buy that jersey and they made hundreds of millions in, in a week or in two weeks. It was a crazy number and it's going to be bigger with Messi. So moving is never easy. Uh, as you know, I'm still in San Antonio. I follow the Spurs for many years. The idea of someone like Tim Duncan moving to another team would be blasphemy. And this is how I know they are, they are reacting in Catalonia. Uh, Messi should stay. But... You also have to understand he has nothing else to prove over there. The team is not good enough to win the Champions League and probably not going to happen in the next few years. He's getting old. He's upset. Uh, you know, we, we, we can only judge so far, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, I know you have, um, you know, allegiance and ties um, uh, to PSG, uh, you know, just... Uh, you know, uh, whoa, you said, whoa. you know, you, you, I, well, okay, I, I won't speak for you. I used, to, I used you. to work for PSG. That was 25 years ago. Okay, okay I see, I see. Uh, um, but uh, is, that, is that the team that um, you were, uh, you know, cheering for uh, growing up? Is, is that the team that, uh, you know, uh, you know, most of the people that lived around you, that, that was their team? No. No, I'm not. I'm not from the capital, and I, I seem to to get the feeling it's kind of the same in every country. Uh, unless you're from that city, you do not cheer for the the biggest club. You do not cheer for the capital city. It's kind of like Toronto in Canada. If you're not from Toronto, nobody likes them. It was the same. It's the same for PSG. I I work for them because life is life, and uh, you know they're a great club. But no, I. It's a French thing. We're very melancholic. We we're romantic. You cheer for the small one. They never win. Uh, my team is Saint-Étienne. You ask. They made the French Cup final this year for the first time since 1982, oh. and they lost. Uh, so I haven't. My team hasn't won a trophy since I was uh, seven years old. Wow. <laughs> okay, wow. And I'm oh. still cheering. Still cheering. Oh, good for you. Well, be, well, well, I'm glad you're a loyal fan, and, and uh, yeah, you're not just a bandwagon jumper that uh, gets onto the team that's doing well and winning titles. But, but, but the, the thing is, in, in soccer, in Europe, uh, if you love the game, you have to cheer for your, you know, the, the clubs that represent your country. I, I, you know, I understand fans, but there's a limit. I mean, when PSG plays the final, of course I'm for them. You know, I want to see them do well. Uh, same for Marseille or Lyon or anybody. Uh, it, is, it is for the best interest of the, of the country. Yeah. That being said, Bayern Munich did completely deserve to win that final. I mean, uh, uh, PSG had some chances, yes, and they should have scored because if you don't score against a machine like this, you will pay back at the end, and that's what happened. But I have no doubt that if they play that game 10 times, Bayern Munich wins seven. 
they, they just more organized. They're a better team. I mean, to me, Bayern Munich and Liverpool are the best soccer team in the world today. And PSG has maybe the best two players, it's possible, but you still need to play better as a team. So they'll be better next year. They'll learn from this. I mean, losing a final one nothing uh, that keeps you up at night. Yeah, that must. Uh, yeah. Uh, was it um, a redemption, though, for uh, some French fans that uh, Kingsley Coleman uh, got the goal and uh, he, he, he's originally from there? Uh, how, how, did that, how did that feel for many French fans? They, they, there's, a, there's been a lot of trash talk on the social media. It's been uh, interesting, to say the least. Uh, Coman deserves everything. I mean, he, he's a great player. We are wait, the French national team is waiting for him to really explode and become that guy because he has the potential. He just Playing on the French national team is not easy. There, there are so many great players, but he's there. He's right there. And uh, uh, it was uh, Kerrer on the other side, the German guy for PSG. I mean, he made him dance. It was, uh, it was insulting at some point. So Coman had a head of, heck of a game. Uh, he's from Paris. You know, there's five French players in that Bayern Munich team. It's, uh, it's an interesting world we're in. You know, you, you have pretty much more French guys playing for Bayern than you have playing for PSG. It's a close game. I mean, it's, it's interesting, but... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan fan. I, I already understand what's going on and Command deserve all this and Command will move someday. And, you know, I mean, that's life of a soccer player and just one, he deserved it. Yeah. So um, before we put the, the Messi to bed, do you think uh, Man City is pretty much the only place he's going to go? Should we discuss uh, Inter Milan? Should we discuss Chelsea? Uh, is there... Uh, I mean, you, know, you know, there's a lot of teams uh, putting their hand up saying, uh, yeah, I want them, let's get it, make it, make it happen. Uh, do you think uh, basically Man City is the only team we should be discussing? I worked for Juventus, as you know, and I remember having discussion with uh, Juventus people last year where they were telling me Juventus is trying to get Messi. Yeah, my grandma is trying to get Messi as well, but everybody's trying to get Messi, but can you do it? You need the money. Uh, you need to be in the good grace of Barcelona as well. Barcelona, you know, is going to negotiate with whoever they want. Of course, Messi is going to push. And that's why uh, PSG, it's going to be difficult. Uh, they have Neymar. They have the financial limitation. I, I do believe that, uh, you know, it's, it's funny you talk about Inter Milan because Conte was confirmed few days ago, just after Messi's announcement, he was leaving and suddenly, oh, it's because Messi's coming. Sometimes people, it's just coincidence. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. Milan, I don't see where they would have the money to do this and the attraction to Messi is, there's only one. Cristiano Ronaldo is in Italy. Maybe Messi would like to show him who's the best in Italy, but it seems more obvious to join the Premier League and do it with Man City because Pep Guardiola is his guy. Uh, that's when Guardiola was best. That's when Messi was best, when they worked together. And that's what sounds like the most realistic scenario. Uh, I know Barcelona is already talking about Gabriel Jesus, players from Manchester City, that uh, maybe, maybe we can talk as long as you include the guy in the deal. So, you know, there, we don't know enough yet. Uh, the only thing that is really, really clear is that Manchester City is leading right now. And if someone shows up with a fantastic offer, I mean, why not? But it, it has to be limited to England. 
and uh, I'd be shocked if PSG gets it. What about um, the other two teams that you mentioned uh, that you, you consider the best two in the world right now, Bayern Munich and Liverpool? Uh, yeah, imagine uh, him going to Bayern Munich. Uh, you know, could that ever be a possibility? Or, or Liverpool? Uh, you know, I know Liverpool is going to give it a big shot. That, that would be unfair. That would be unfair. I mean, you know, come on, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think you need to have uh, some kind of relationship established already and that's not the case uh there's no real connection beyond manchester city over there but um i was i was thinking uh manchester city uh will be the favorites in premier league if they get him and that's what i was thinking of liverpool this morning like this is probably the best team in the world with bayern munich if Manchester City gets Messi, Liverpool is not even the favorite next season. And there's only one player in the world today that will change a, a dynamic like this. Liverpool is supposed to win the league next year because they're absolutely fantastic. But if Man City gets Messi, well, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we saw Kevin Durant uh, leave Oklahoma City and go to Golden State after Golden State Warriors had won some NBA championships. And... And uh, Kevin Garnett took a lot of abuse saying that, uh, you know, why would you do that? Why would you go to a team that's already so stacked and you can't prove that you're the reason why you've won championships. And uh, eventually, you know, a few years later led to him leaving uh, because he wasn't the guy and never was the guy. Um, do you think there's, um, you know, that type of situation and, and possibility with uh, Messi? Is, uh, would there be a, an ego that he wants to be just – the, the, the leading star and wants to be the reason why suddenly he's winning all these trophies with a new team or, um, you know, that, that's the other scenario that just you know, came to mind with me, uh, Kevin Garnett leaving, going to Golden State. Everybody said, this is not fair. Uh, you know, Golden State is going to win every title from this point forward. So, uh, yeah, what, you know, do you see that parallel a bit? If there is something there, it will be less obvious because there's more soccer player on the field. There is basketball player and, you have to be more of a team player. I mean, and Messi is a team player. He just needs to have a system around him, not because he wants to be the guy, because he's the guy. It is that simple. You got Messi on, on the field. You need to organize your team around him because he's not a nine, he's not a 10. I mean, he's everything at the same time. He's, he, you know, he moves wherever he wants and you have to adjust to his movement because he will find you or he will dribble everybody. And, and that's what you need to, to really understand when you get a player like this. You need to be open-minded. And that's why, again, Guardiola, I mean, he knows what to do with him. Uh, people will talk. Yes, there's no doubt that people, some people will say, oh, my gosh, you're moving over there because they're winning. Who cares? I mean, the guy is 33. He's done a lot with Barcelona. He's done as much as he could. It is a little sad that he's not going to finish with them. But, you know, life goes on. Uh, you know, if we had that discussion two years ago, Darren, I would say there's no way he's ever leaving. And I, even me, I would say he shouldn't leave. But there's also that other aspect. It is exciting. It is suddenly exciting to see where he's going to end up and how he's going to do. Yeah. Um, just for, for the viewers and listeners that are not sure, uh, talk about this financial fair play possibility that, uh, you know, might stop somebody like PSG being able to bring him, uh, you know, they've obviously 
got Mbappe and, and Neymar and, and you know all you know all these you know, high profile very high paid guys um, you know there's this financial fair play clause in there that says uh, you know there has to be a little bit of a, a line drawn so that uh, you know the, the lesser teams uh, aren't steamrolled all the time but uh, can you explain um, you know where that line is and how, how does it work? Well, I'd love to explain where the line is going to be uh, because we are in a COVID situation where everything has been difficult. Clubs need to adjust. Money is not really there for some of them. Uh, even the big ones, some big ones are struggling. They need to find a way to survive. That's why you see clubs like Atletico Madrid is selling players. Valencia is selling players. Barcelona is going to, you know, there's a lot of clubs and many of them in Spain. Uh, they're selling players. They need to find a way to stay on top of that wave. It's difficult right now. I don't know the new numbers. FIFA, UEFA uh, is going to adjust that. Uh, I don't have, I don't have that information yet, but it, it it's definitely going to be interesting and it's limited. I mean, Manchester City and PSG has been, the target of UEFA for so long because they know, and that's why I was telling you earlier, PSG to me cannot make it happen. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, the, this COVID has affected so many teams so financially, and we've had you know so many uh, difficulties. Um, yeah, you're seeing that. Uh, so you know, so many countries. Uh, you know, I remember going to the airport, uh, you know, over the last couple of years and seeing a lot of signs that say um, these transfer fees are actually, uh, you know, helping these governments out there, uh, you know, being able to bring in so much money and so much taxes. And, and uh, you know, that is, a, you know, a huge way of a government to, uh, you know, see a lot of financial windfall and, the, you know, the the whole, uh, you know, community and, and the city and, and taxpayers, uh, you know, will feel a little bit less of a pinch because of these massive transfer taxes. That's not something that we see in North America. Um, you know, talk about uh, that in the world of soccer being such a, a massive way to bring money into clubs, into the city, into the government. Uh, it is just a, an incredible thing that happens in the world of soccer. It is. And, uh, I remember reading an article about PSG. I'm sorry, but uh, you know it's it's a perfect example because they're up there financially wise, and that uh, there's so much taxes on sports in France, and that's why it was kind of nice. It's a, you know I'm, I'm gonna start there. It's, it was kind of nice to see two French team in the semi-final of the Champions League because we don't have the money to keep the players. I mean, uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but there's. The only Brazil can fight with the amount of French players that play abroad. I mean, there are so many French players in the best league in, in, in Europe. They're everywhere. Why? Because they're good and because we cannot pay them enough in France. That's why it, it, will, it will be fantastic when a French team wins. But the reality is uh, only PSG can afford it because they have unlimited amount of money. And they don't care, let's say, if, uh, you know, you, Darren, plays for, you, you, you make a million a month, that million a month in France will amount to 1.4 million. And that's, that's why it is so complicated for certain countries to, to deal with that market. England is, that's fine away because they've got TV rights that are completely crazy numbers to balance that. Spain has been finding ways, uh, that will be another chapter for years, to, 
to negotiate that and you know they, they always find a way so what's happening right now in spain uh, i have no doubt that most of europe is smiling at them saying hey it's about time uh losing messi is going to be a big 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 slap in the face of the of the spanish league after losing cristiano ronaldo and at some point it's due to happen you know money has some value and some cost and uh, they've been kind of finding a way there and but that's the reality of european game the germany is very solid uh, they develop players french is developed players we don't have the money to keep them italy is kind of in between all the money is in england because of taxes because of everything and uh, some government want the image more than the money and that's the choice they make and uh, that's the reality of what it is today and um, it's not going to change easily yeah that's true yeah uh, well, going back to the Bayern Munich win in the Champions League, uh, you know, fantastic victory. Um, we were able to see Alfonso Davies be the first Canadian national to be able to raise that trophy. And uh, it, it got a lot of media exposure here north of your border. And um, yeah, it was exciting to see Alfonso, uh, you know, just a, a, an amazing player that was, uh, you know, Raised here in Canada, was able to come to the Whitecaps here on the West Coast in Vancouver and, uh, you know, sign an unprecedented deal with Bayern. And, uh, man, just, uh, you know, the, the p potential and possibility of this guy, uh, you know, it's really exciting for Canadian soccer fans. Uh, tell me about Alfonso Davies and, and the, uh, the view of him from around the world. It, it's, it, it's an interesting, you know, case because I remember when he kind of came out on the scene he was like 15 I believe and we start hearing about him that's when he joined the Whitecaps pro group and you know he played some games and you could see right away that he that kid had something special and I you know we all you know it's it's funny journalists are journalists but you also play a little game sometimes you know you talk to agents you talk to coaches and you say hey i saw someone over there and i remember making some phone calls to there's a guy in canada that uh, you may want to keep an eye on you know because he's cheap and he's going to be something after that you have no idea if he's going to be that player but uh, that that's a fantastic fantastic player for canada because he's going he's going to absolutely push soccer upward and uh, he's 19 i mean for crying out loud i mean the poise more than the physical ability and the talent and everything is the poise he, he played i mean uh, he had he had maybe a one or two plays where you know he got he got that yellow card and you're like okay how is he gonna handle that you get a yellow nah, nothing another day at the office and i'm like that kid is 19 i mean i'm old i mean that's it you know he's a rock he's a rock and uh you're going to have him on the national team for, what, 19? I mean, if you're lucky, 13 years, maybe. Uh, you, you need to push hard to, to, to get more of this because uh, this is fantastic news for Canada to have a player like this. Yeah, no, it's really great. And obviously with the World Cup coming to North America uh, pretty soon, uh, you know, Canada wants to emerge on the soccer stage. Uh, you know, have some games here. We've got some games in the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, you know, it's really, uh, you know, huge for, <clears throat> huge for soccer locally here. Uh, being able to have a guy, you know, that high profile, being with the Champions League uh, winners. And, um, you know, at 19 years old, it shocks me. Uh, I'm not going to say this as any type of a, a slight towards him, but 
Um, you know, he really uh, has looked on the pitch like much older than his age, but um, he uh, posted something the other day on, uh, I think it was Instagram that uh, he found, he saw that Drake was actually following him on Instagram and he was jumping around and screaming and yelling and thanking Drake for uh, for following him. He couldn't believe it. It was the greatest moment of his life. And and uh, I'm like, oh, okay, he is 19 years old. Uh, did, did, did you see that post at all? No, I did not. I mean, I, I wish I followed more Instagram, but uh, I was going to joke, who's Drake? Uh, <laughs> but no, no, I know, I know, I know. It's just... They're kids, they're kids, but the poise that he shows, you know, it's kind of like, I remember Kobe Bryant at the same age. The poise was there, but he was still a kid now and then. And that's a good thing. You need that balance. You can't, you don't want to be a machine and not enjoy enough. I mean, what, what he's doing is absolutely fantastic. So congratulations, young man. And I, I wish him the best and plenty of title to come. They just uh, very, very impressive. Yeah. Um, I don't follow the women's game as much as I should, but um, uh, his girlfriend, uh, Jordan Hutema, is 19 years old. Uh, she's um, she's plays with PSG. Uh, PSG is actually facing uh, Olympic Lyonnais in the uh, Champions League final for the women. Uh, we have three. Semi-final. Oh, 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 yeah, sorry. Semi-final, semi-final, yeah. Uh, we have actually three Canadians that are um, very prominent uh, in this semi-final coming up. Uh, Kadesha Buchanan, Ashley Lawrence uh, also plays for PSG. She's in the starting 11. And um, yeah, Jordan Hatema, uh, uh, it'll be the first time that, um, you know, a, a, a female and a male couple will actually hoist the champion's trophy if, uh, if PSG can uh, upset uh, Olympic Lyonnais, who's won four straight championships and uh, six-time champion. Uh, do you follow the women's game? And uh, do you know some of these names that I'm throwing out? I know some of them. It just it has changed so much uh, that you know, growing up in Europe. And yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna slap myself a little bit publicly. You you don't watch women. You didn't watch women game twenty years ago in Europe. We were a very very sexist, you know, countries and country. I mean, France, Italy, Spain. It has changed drastically. I mean. I'm going to talk about France because that's what I know. People are really, were really behind that French national team when they play the World Cup. And it, 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 is, it is fantastic to see. So, no, I'm watching. I'm watching, the, I'm watching the play of the semifinal and everything. I'm watching the World Cup because the level is there and the excitement is there. And I wish that uh, she's going to win and you're going to have that first couple. But beating Lyon is going to be quite a tall order because uh, they are Bayern Munich. Yeah. <laughs> for the yeah. women that's what they are yeah, yeah. yeah well the women's game uh, received a huge boost here in Canada when we were able to get the World Cup and uh, you know have so much success on a world stage uh, Christine Sinclair is you know considered one of the greatest female players to ever lace them up and and uh, you know it just brought a lot of notoriety uh, John Herdman came in and was able to really uh, raise the level of our national team through the women and and uh, yeah, when uh, the World Cup's on, uh, when, you know, very major tournaments are on, uh, you know, Canada does turn and, and watch the women's game. It's so amazing to see, um, you know, three Canadians in the semifinal game and, and uh, you know, to be into the starting 11. Uh, you know, Alfonso Davis is getting so much press. And so, you know, all of a sudden now 
uh, you know, we're talking about his 19-year-old girlfriend as well. It's uh, it's really great. I'm glad that they're shedding light on the women's game, and and uh, it's fun. It's really fun soccer to watch. Um, you know, really exciting. They're very very talented, and and uh, you know, I recommend our viewers and listeners. Um, you know, please watch that semifinal game and, and on to the Champions League final. Um, yeah, it, you must be seeing, uh, you know, emergence of, of women uh, locally at your academy as well. And, uh, you know, girls, uh, you know, taking up the game so much more because it is becoming so much more prominent in the world. Yeah, but in the U.S., it's kind of, I mean, it's been there. It's been there. I mean, there's U.S. soccer, women soccer has been dominating for many, many years. So there's no problem here. I mean, there's women playing soccer right and left and uh, there's a lot of talent and they're very rough. They're very physical, uh, very coachable as well. And it's really a pleasure to coach. Uh, but I, I was, I, I was going to go back to the men, if you don't mind, because I was thinking of uh, Jonathan David that signed, another Canadian that signed in, uh, from La Gantoise to Lille in France watch out as well. I mean, that guy plays offense. Uh, you've got some talent in, uh, in Canada. So hopefully we're going to have fans in the stadium and the leagues are going to play nicely and we're going to enjoy all this. But uh, there's a lot of movement. Messi, I mean, you know, <laughs> who's that guy? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm dying for some soccer. I'm watching the NBA in the bubble and it's fantastic. Uh, but I need soccer games. Like, I mean, we had that tease with the Champions League. Uh, it was great. It was short. <laughs> it, it's time to show more game, you know. I know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it wasn't enough uh, for, you know, soccer fans to get their fix. And, uh, and now the Champions League's done. It's, uh, yeah, what, what's next? Please bring some something else on. But you did mention the NBA and uh, this uh, NBA uh, restart to the season was great. Those eight games... Uh, really started getting you a taste uh, for pl uh, playoff basketball. And, and then, um, you know, the matchups uh, were presented to us um, and it's been fun. Um, you know, I guess uh, to me, the biggest story in the last few days was uh, Luka Doncic uh, absolutely having one of the most uh, impressive games I've ever seen in game four of the Clippers Mavericks series. And uh, at 21 years old, uh, you know, to be able to do what he's doing, uh, it's uh, shocking the world and, and, you know, making it just so much must-see basketball and TV. Uh, you know, how impressive uh, has he been for you? It's, again, it's very easy to make parallels with other European players that came before him. And I'm thinking Tony Kukoc. Uh, he's not the same player at all. I'm just discussing the status of Tony Kukoc when he was in Europe when he was uh, playing for Split, uh, Hugo Plastica, he was the best player in Europe. And I remember he joined the, the Bulls and, you know, they kind of schooled him when he played with the national team. Pippen and Jordan went at him and made him cry. And, and then he joined them. Media were on him. I mean, they were that, they, there was that big expectation and, and Kukoc had a very nice career. It was the same with Doncic, except multiplied <laughs> by 10. We knew he was, he was a freak. Coming to the U.S., we're like, okay, is he going to be fast enough to play in the NBA? That was pretty much the only question because the passing ability, scoring ability of the chart. But he's, he's, he's amazing to see. It's like he anticipates every move. He's going to take you to, to sleep because he's so slow at time. And then he changed the pace and then he attacks right, left. He can do absolutely anything. And he's big enough that he can post you up. That's why he gets all those rebounds. And 
he's a fascinating player. What he did the other day, he made me scream in front of the TV. It doesn't happen often. I'm pretty laid back when I watch games. I, I, I watch games like a coach. I anticipate the next play, what should happen. You're watching that timeout. You're like, there's no freaking way he's going to do this. And he does. And, you know, Damien Lillard, yes, has been doing that. But this guy is, who is he? I mean, he's 20, what, 21? <laughs> he, there's no limit to what he can do. And you know what, the, what was the most impressive to me was yesterday. They got whooped by the Lakers. And they're down 25 points or something. And he's on the bench. And you see his face. And his face is he's ready to fight every single one of them. You, and that's something you cannot, you cannot buy. You cannot teach. He was so upset at the game yesterday. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you, you know, players will tell you, oh, we need to win the next one, blah, 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 blah. There's no blah, blah, blah with that guy. He was burning inside. And you know that, you know, I don't know if Porzingis is going to play the next game. They're pretty much done. But... Next year, that guy is going to be the MVP of the league. I mean, how do you stop him? He, he can do absolutely anything on the, on the court. Yeah, no, his, his competitive fire we haven't seen in very many people. Um, you know, that particular day we're talking about, uh, it was, uh, they called it the, the Mamba Day being uh, 824, uh, the two numbers that Kobe Bryant wore for the Lakers. And, um, you know, there's, you know, special players like Michael Jordan, like Kobe Bryant that, uh, you know, come onto the court and you can just see this competitive fire. And, uh, yeah, you see that burning so, so heavily in Luka. And uh, just, you know, the, what, what he's been able to do with this Dallas team, uh, you know, he's, he's actually, um, you know, pretty severely hampered right now with an ankle injury, obviously uh, missing his top center and Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, being hurt, um, you know, they just don't stand a chance against, uh, you know, incredibly deep LA Clippers team. Um, Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, made that move over to LA and brought uh, Paul George into the mix to try to uh, win a championship in a, in a third city. Um, but um, yeah, the, the competitive fire just has been absolutely unbelievable and so incredible to watch. I, I've been so excited and and uh, yeah, just the potential year after year. They, they probably won't be able to advance past the series, but um, yeah, you know, I, I'm just so excited for uh, the future of, of him. Um, the other guy that I just quickly mentioned, uh, Paul George, uh, made a really, uh, um, you know, interesting statement yesterday. He said that um, he was in a very dark place in this bubble. He actually sought out the team psychiatrist and uh, really wanted to get some mental health, um, you know, uh, work and, and try to figure out what was wrong. He felt like he was just, um, you know, he just couldn't function very well. Um, I guess uh, whatever, you know, was said worked quite well because he had his best performance of the playoffs and actually uh, the 35 points uh, exceeded what he had got in those first three games combined. So, um, but it was, uh, it was really nice to hear him actually voice, uh, you know, his concerns and the problems that he had had. And um, yeah, how did, uh, you know, how did that strike you when you heard that? But honestly, I, you know, I'll tell you, I don't exactly know what was his problem. I mean, I know he talked about it, but what is he talking about? Uh, is he just struggling because he's in a bubble? I mean, does he have family problems? Is it, uh, you know, what's going on in the world? And by the world, I mean in the U.S. right now. Uh, there's, a, there's still a lot of riots. There, there was another 
shooting, uh, you know, or lack of a better word, of police uh, shooting a black man. And I know yesterday the NBA, I mean, the players erupted. I mean, there was uh, interview after interview where, you know, the, it has to stop. I mean, it has to stop. It has to stop. And I know the Toronto Raptors, some of them, uh, I think Van Fleet was talking about boycotting the next game. It is that bad in America. Uh, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. The NBA put themselves in that situation where they are the league that plays right now. They are, everybody's watching it. And yes, it's mostly a black uh, league. There's a lot of American, you know, Afro-American or black players that are in that league. So they, have, they, they, they can express and they should express you know, their, their anger right now. Uh, but they're kind of stuck in that situation where they have to keep on playing despite whatever's going on. And that's why they are upset. Some of them were talking about leaving the bubble and just say, I'm done with this. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if that's a situation with Paul George. Uh, it just, there's a lot of things going on, um, you know, and yes, as you know, there's election coming in the US. We're not there to do a political show, but uh, it's, it's a crazy country down there right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you know, a lot of the, uh, details on you know what was um, his concerns and the, the things that were putting him into the dark place didn't get revealed but um, you know it has been really tough uh, three months ago George Floyd was murdered by the police and uh, obviously that uh, sparked you know a huge amount of protests and Black Lives Matter movement really moved into the forefront and has been um, you know very prominent on the you know, minds of, of North Americans and you know starting to go around the world um, you know, that, that shooting of Jacob Luke, it just, uh, or J Jacob Blake, sorry, uh, it just really um, shook me as well, because I thought that, uh, you know, after George Floyd and all the, you know, difficulties there, that the police would be, you know, acting on their best behavior and, and uh, not escalating things like this. And, and a lot of the NBA players um, before the bubble uh, even started were apprehensive about going in there because they didn't think they could further the the protests and the movement and uh, they were worried about being able to get their messages out and and not support things like this and and this happened and I think it has really rocked the whole league to its core and and the Toronto Raptors have, have really had discussions about boycotting the game on Thursday and uh, you know trying to have their voices heard uh, to more people, um, he, you know, they mentioned, you said Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, he just said, you know, what, what is this Black Lives Matter movement meaning anymore? It's, it's on the back of our jerseys, it's on signs and things like that. But, you know, is it, uh, is it really having an impact when we see this happening again, only three months later? And, and the video was, you know, shocking to watch it. It, it really actually upset me uh, so emotionally. Um, you know, obviously, you know, this whole thing has been horrible for most North Americans who aren't racist and who don't have problems with, you know, the, uh, you know, color of your skin. Um, but um, yeah, this is a, you know, uh, another huge moment uh, in the world and obviously in the NBA too, because of being a predominantly black sport. Um, yeah. What do you, you know, do you see a lot of guys leaving the bubble? Do you see a possibility of some games being uh, boycotted, things like that? I honestly do not know. Uh, it would be quite a statement, but it depends who does it. And do you do it individually? Do you do it as a team? You see, it's kind of like if, if you were to tell me the Toronto Raptors boycott the game, I don't think it's going to have an impact in the US. They'll be like, they're Canadian. We don't care. Uh, 
so don't do it. Uh, but we, we are in that weird time and I, I, I'm trying to stay away from politics, Darren. It just, it's on TV. I mean, you, know, you have the Republican convention every day and they're saying things that clearly offend a big, big chunk of the country and especially black people. So I know LeBron commented on this and Doc Rivers yesterday had a very moving interview and, and they're, they're, they're right on. I mean, I, you know, in San Antonio, Greg Popovich has been talking about that for years. It is to the point where something drastic has to happen. And what is it going to be? I mean, hopefully it's going to be the election and just things change and that's it. But I don't know. I mean, I really don't know where this country is going right now. So I understand their concern. Even if I'm just a white guy with a European accent living in this country, you see some crazy stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, obviously, uh, you know, the, the vote is super important in the U.S. And, and um, yeah, let's hope, uh, you know, there can be some, uh, you know, there can you know, be some changes and, and yeah, they, you know, they'll be able to figure it out. I, I feel really sorry for a lot of these guys because, you know, I did hear that they were excited, uh, you know, being able to advance to that second round and, and, you know, have the possibility of going further. The Raptors had such an, an incredible run last year, went to the title. Uh, they're looking really strong um, this year. Uh, obviously, that was a, uh, you know, uh, a depleted Brooklyn team, uh, you know, not their full roster being able to be there. But, um, you know, Toronto had the first sweep in their history. Uh, coming off the their their best record ever in the regular season, um, you know, looking looking really strong in this bubble and playing great. Obviously, Kyle Lowry being hurt, uh, you know, could really impact that team. And um, you know, luckily they have a few days before Thursday's opening game, but uh, they'll play Boston, who's an incredibly deep team. They swept out the 76ers quite handily. And um, how do you see this Toronto Boston uh, series shaping up? I, I think it's probably going to go seven and. And I think it's going to be one of the best series we're going to see in a really long time. That, that wouldn't surprise me, you know, when I, when I saw the, the drawing and I'm like, shoot, they have Boston in the second round. That's the tough one because Boston is, you know, it's kind of like a redemption year for them. They, they, they should have been better last year. They have everything they need. I mean, coaching, bench, stars, everything is there. And the way they dismissed, even if, you know, uh, Simmons was out, uh, they just toyed with the, the Sixers. So Boston is really impressive. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston goes all the way. They are that good. Uh, after that, I mean, Toronto is very, very solid, but they've lost one key player. And, uh, you know, when it's time to get that extra basket, who's going to step up? Uh, Kyle Lowry needs to be 200% for that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he sure does. Yeah. Uh, let's hope he's a fast healer and, and can get in there right away. Um, the other Eastern Conference matchup uh, looks like it's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks who are up 3-1 to one on Orlando um, against Miami. Uh, Miami swept out Indy quite uh, easily, uh, you know, in my opinion. Uh, Pacers did fire Nate McMillan today. Um, just, just heard the news a couple hours ago. Uh, he wasn't able to get them into the second round in the four seasons he was there. They were swept out three of those four seasons. And and um, yeah, just not enough. But uh, speaking of a deep team like Boston, uh, Miami uh, is another team that has uh, you know so much depth, uh, so many great stars in the in the front, but uh, so many amazing bench players, great outside shooters, 
uh, inside shooters. Jimmy Butler is phenomenal. Uh, man, they're going to give Milwaukee a, a run for their money, aren't they? they? They will, but I still believe they have to pay their due. You know, they're still, uh, you know, apart from a couple of players, like, I mean, mainly Butler, they, they need to gain experience. They need to lose in the playoff. And I think they will do that. Uh, Milwaukee, they're going to have to step up. I mean, you cannot play like they're playing against Orlando. It's up and down. I mean, you, you cannot you cannot play like that. So I expect Milwaukee to step up. Uh, I, I, I don't think that game is going to go seven. Uh, but after that, it's if, if we end up Milwaukee-Toronto or Milwaukee-Boston, I have absolutely no <laughs> no idea who's going to come out of this. It's the, that's what's that's what's very exciting is we finally, you know, the last few years at the East as competitive as the West. Uh, I was I was paying attention to the West pre-playoff or whatever the name was. You know, Sacramento, San Antonio, Phoenix. There's a lot of good team, and they're going to get more players in the draft. The West is going to be insane next year, absolutely insane. Uh, yeah. But you now have the top of the East where it's difficult to say who's the favorite. You know, it's, uh, it's wide open and whoever's going to come out of the East can win. Yeah. I mean, Toronto yeah. proved it last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, obviously, uh, you know, most of us were focusing on, in on the West because, uh, you know, there was uh, the possibility of many teams getting that eighth position. There was talk of a, a play-in game. Uh, Memphis was really uh, struggling and uh, obviously losing Jaron Jackson had a big impact on them uh, being able to win the, you know, out of those eight games. Um, but there was so many teams chasing them, obviously Portland, San Antonio, Phoenix. Phoenix going 8-0 in the bubble was uh, really exciting and great for them. What an uh, emerging young team. Devin Booker looks uh, you know, you know, one of the most emerging <laughs> guards. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm excited for, for that team. Uh, Portland uh, played phenomenal once they got their two big men back. And, and uh, you know, it looked like they were going to, you know, be able to get in there and then give the Lakers a big run for the money. Uh, you know, talk about, um, you know, that race for eighth position. That was one of the most exciting things I've seen going down the stretch there. It was, and, and you can also see which team benefits from being together without no distraction. And I have, you see, I was looking at a team like Phoenix. That's probably what they need to get out of this moment. If, if, if those games were played on the road in Phoenix all over the place, they still, they're still young and they get distracted. Over there, they had absolutely no choice but basketball all day long and with the team, you know, kind of like, national team when they're together on the road they stay together you stick together and you become tighter phoenix super impressive are they going to be able to do it back in a normal contest yeah i hope so uh san antonio was there too you know if i can say a name keldon johnson blown away by the talent of that kid i mean i know he comes from kentucky he's supposed to be good but he can do it all and you're looking at him and you're like here we go again. The Spurs got another one. And that's the kind of players, you know, it just, you, you, there's so many, so much talent in the West. Uh, I'm trying to not forget anybody, but yeah, Portland, Damian Lillard is a monster. He's an absolute monster. I mean, uh, you know, he's going to shoot and score and he does it in front of you, in your face, and there's nothing you can do. Uh, they have the, I, I really thought for a minute that they really, they were going to push the Lakers to seven. Yeah. But 
they, they explode it. Uh, they will be there again. I mean, Portland has talent. Uh, who am I missing? I know I'm forgetting someone in the West right now. There's too oh, much yeah. talent. Yeah, there's so much <laughs> talent. Uh, obviously, at that top end and at the bottom end, uh, you know, it's it's super impressive. Uh, what, what's the feeling in San Antonio missing the playoffs for the first time in 23 years? Uh, you know, that was an uh, absolutely amazing run. North American sports doesn't see that because – uh, you know, about half the teams make it into the playoffs uh, in most of North American sports. Uh, yeah, it uh, was an unprecedented run. Uh, was there a lot of, um, you know, anger and frustration from the Spurs fans or did they realize that it just happens to, to teams here and there? You know, if you want to give value to numbers, uh, streak had to stop at some point. You can't win 50 years in a row. You can't go to the playoffs 75 years in a row or whatever. It just... That's what gives value to it. And the pandemic kind of changed everything. So people, I mean, it was, it was really, really bad in Texas at the same time. So, you know, you watch those games, you kind of forget about it for a couple of hours, but there's no drama, absolutely no drama. It was expected when Marcus Aldridge, you know, kind of, you know, took himself out because he needed surgery. That, that was it. It was very surprising to see them play the way they play. I mean, they're very... They're a running team pretty much now, and everybody can play any position. Uh, and Dermar, uh, Derozan, I mean, really impressive. He's, uh, it took me that moment to, to get on board because uh, he's ups and down. But right now, with this team, he's the daddy of the team, and he leads. And it was nice to see. I mean, he took over games at the end, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't push it. That's the thing. Uh, when the game comes to you, you know, with flow, I mean, that's when you know you have something. So it's going to be interesting to see what San Antonio does next year. And yes, Greg Popovich will be back. I know that the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets are dreaming of getting him to move over there. Popovich is not moving. I mean, he's not even moving to a big city. Let's start there. He's happy where he is, but he's not leaving the Spurs. Yeah, well, that's great news. Uh, yeah, Pop it should should never leave San Antonio. He should retire there. And, uh, and Messi, uh, Messi, Messi may leave Barcelona, but Popovich is not leaving San Antonio. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. not crazy now. Good news, good news, yeah. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan obviously had to, uh, you know, live up to uh, replacing Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, that's got to be a huge burden on, on his shoulders. But, uh, you know, he has emerged that now in his second year and, and played fantastic. And, he, and you say he doesn't push it. Uh, you know, I like that, um, you know, he plays really hard and, and scores a lot when he's needed. But um, he also, uh, you know, is, is really good with his teammates. And, and um, yeah, I think that the future is very bright for San Antonio. And uh, you, you have no worries being down there. Uh, why don't we touch a little bit onto the West uh, as well? Uh, we talked about the Lakers-Portland. I thought Portland would push them to a seventh game, uh, possibly have a, you know, the possibility of knocking off the Lakers. The Lakers didn't look good uh, in that um, eight game uh, precursor to the playoffs. Uh, you know, it really had struggled. Uh, don't have a very deep team as well. And um, a lot was riding on the shoulders of LeBron and AD, but um, they, you know, they have played incredibly well uh, outside of one game. Uh, they're up three to one. I've hear, I hear now Damian, Damian Lillard um, will not be able to play in this next game. So, um, you know, uh, that, that really should take Portland out of the mix and Lakers will move on. But, um, yeah, surprising that the Lakers are able to handle Portland so well in this, this series so far. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they rise up the intensity and the defensive level. And I guess Portland, and I'm not looking for excuse for them. It's just uh, they played so many playoff games to get there. I mean, every game they played, those eight games you mentioned, they were playoff games. 
So they had an extra two rounds of playoff games pretty much before they played the Lakers. And it's too much, I guess. Physically, you can see it. I mean, uh, they got tired. But the Lakers, I'm, I, you're absolutely right. I'm looking at that bench and I'm like, you're, you are one Anthony Davis injury away from losing it in the next round. I mean, they, they need, I mean, they know that. We don't have to tell them, but that's why I'm not so sure about the Lakers yet. LeBron is playing a heck of a playoff right now. I mean, the same, he's not forcing it. He's really going with the flow when the team needs it, he does it. I, I'm not even sure he's, he's played better before. Uh, that's a crazy statement, but I was looking at him the other day. I'm like, I don't see anything wrong. Anything is absolutely perfect what he does right now. That might be the scary thing. Uh, but, you know, if someone gets hurt, uh, and again, we're going to have that uh, Clippers-Lakers confrontation at some point. It should be, uh, should be quite – I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, Houston is a pain in the butt, uh, always been. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, see yeah, how it emerges. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think everybody's hoping for a Clippers-Lakers. Well, not everybody, but I, I think a lot of people are hoping for a Clippers-Lakers final. Uh, it'll be, uh, you know, Eastern, uh, Western final. It'll be pretty damn exciting. Uh, the, the, the Clippers, um, yeah, they've had their troubles with the, the, the Mavs, but, uh, you know, their defense is just phenomenal. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is, you know, just one of the, the most talented players. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned LeBron. It is just it is just shocking that he's getting better as he ages. Uh, most players, you know, cannot sustain this level of play, and definitely in their mid thirties, their their you know good years are are way behind them typically. And uh, you know, it's just phenomenal that a guy can just can continue to physically dominate. Uh, you know, just be able to keep himself at such a high level, and and then all of a sudden make all the rest of his teammates so much better around him. Um, you know, just uh, we're going to look uh, upon him as, you know, one of the greatest ever to play. It's too bad that he always has to live in that shadow of Michael Jordan, because if he didn't, uh, you know, people would uh, consider him so much greater and, you know, give him so much more props. But man, I, I don't know how he's got this fountain of youth and just, you know, being able to play such an amazing, amazing level of basketball at this age. Yeah. I guess he's wiser than ever, you know, and hopefully it happens to all of us as we get older. Uh, <laughs> but he, he's always been very good at, at seeing on the court. But there's been moments of frustration, moments where, you know, you force a little bit and he's not doing that at all. And uh, it, is, it is really pleasant to watch. I mean, if you look at him, he's the, he's the complete basketball player. You know, there used to be the LeBron James that will grab the rebound and go full court and dunk on everybody. That's not, I mean, he can still do it, uh, but that's not what he does. That's not what he needs to do for that team. And that's why I'm not a Lakers fan, you know. And when you spend too much time in San Antonio, you cannot be a Lakers fan. Uh, you cannot be a Mavericks fan. And that's why what Donchik is doing is mind-blowing to me because I love the guy. And he plays for the Mavs. <laughs> uh, but to go back to the Lakers, uh, I'm like you. I'm like everybody. I want to see them play the Clippers and, you know, and see who comes out of this. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah. Uh, let's quickly touch on the other two series. Um, Donovan Mitchell has been just uh, incredible uh, in the playoffs, uh, leading score, uh, getting uh, 50 points in a couple of games. And the only other guys that have done that, <laughs> Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson, uh, you know, the, you know, the spider has just looked so incredible. Uh, I thought Denver was actually going to win this series. I thought they had the 
you know, the playoff uh, medal and they were going to, you know, be able to take it farther than they have. Um, but um, he's been able to just throw that team on his back and, and with, you know, the help of Rudy Gobert and Jordan Clarkson, uh, man, uh, Utah's looked so impressive and Donovan Mitchell is playing out of his mind. He is, and, and Rudy Gobert is finally, you know, also is back in contention for, I mean, he's not the defensive player of the year, but he's a threat defensively. So when you have that, you have those two positions, one and five, you can go far. Uh, it's funny because you're basically saying that Utah is going to go, and I'm not convinced Denver is dead. Because, I, yes, you know, it was yesterday, I'm kind of lost with all the games yesterday, Denver decide to finally show up and they have too much talent not to show up, but they are just so inconsistent. Jamal Murray, I mean, fantastic player, but you, you need to bring it every game. I mean, you know, they have so many players that operate the same way. It's, it's ups and downs and it's the playoff. You can't mess around. I mean, every possession means something. So we'll see that game, that game six is going to be quite a battle. Yeah, uh, you're right. I yeah. think Denver may come back. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. I, I shouldn't be calling Utah the victor of that series already. That's for sure. Uh, you know, a lot of Canadians, um, you know, have been uh, talking about Jamal Murray for many years. Uh, you know, he has not had that consistency at, at times when uh, it's needed. Um, but uh, Nikola Jokic is, you know, what a phenomenal um, talent at, at center. Uh, you know, Rudy Gobert has been able to neutralize him at times because of his length and his athletic ability. Um, but, uh, you know, Jamal Murray has played uh, fantastic at times. And that, that game yesterday, yeah, wow, uh, he really emerged. And, and uh, you know, I, yeah, you're right. They, they could win two, two straight games and take the series. But, you, you know, it's kind of like when you stop saying wow, that you know you're there. And Lars scored 45 points. We don't say wow anymore. It's just, yeah. <laughs> Jamal Murray will be there when he scores 40 and will be like, yeah, yeah. Okay, we know. Yeah, you need to be consistent at that level of the game. And uh, I, I hope they put it up. I mean, it would be fantastic to have a game seven in the first round. Yeah, sure would be. And uh, Rockets and, and Thunder, uh, it's been a great series. Um, I, I thought Thunder would uh, probably win early uh, with Russell Westbrook uh, being out of the mix. Uh, but uh, Houston won those first two games. But uh, then, you know, OKC has been able to storm back and, and take the next two and uh, really make a great series of it. Uh, Chris Paul is, is playing fantastic at his age. Uh, they've got, um, you know, a couple of Canadians in there that are playing really great for OKC. And, and uh, yeah, it's really been nice to see this become a series. Houston's trying to do this small ball thing and, and uh, losing a lot on the boards. But, uh, you know, launching 58 three-pointers the other day was uh, you know, incredibly shocking. And Mike D'Antoni just loves that, that style of basketball. But, uh, yeah, what, did you, what have you thought of this series? It's been pretty amazing. I'm, I'm biased because uh, Mike D'Antoni, to me, it's the Phoenix Suns. He's the team that can be Steve Nash. It's that team that is exciting but cannot win. And I'm still there with Mike D'Antoni. And, you know, it's, I don't believe in them. I, this is not playoff basketball. And I know the game has changed. And that's why we have all those games at 60 points. You know, the players score 50 like this. Because they shoot threes all day long. The game has changed. I get it. But you need to play defense to win. And I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched one single game of that series yet. I, I watch the highlights all the time. But... I, I made a plan of watching game five because Chris Paul is finally came to play. And you're like, okay, now we have a series and game five is going to be a heck of a game. 
and game six. Yeah, no, me too. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I've watched uh, the series, and uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it's nice to see Chris Paul. Uh, a lot of people wrote him off and said that, you know, he goes to OKC, he's making too much money, there's no need to have him here, we're just rebuilding. Uh, you know, you know, we got to find another place for him, and, and he's been able to come in with the uh, Canadian Shea Gilgis Alexander, and, you know, that backcourt has been uh, really, really, you know, emerging, and and uh, we've got this uh, other Canadian uh, last name Dort that's uh, you know just been uh, you know really defensive stalwart and <laughs> he's playing great and and uh, yeah it's good to see that they've uh, you know pushed Houston uh, into at least six games and um, yeah I'm I'm super excited and looking forward to that um, that matchup so uh, yeah the, the playoffs are, have been fantastic sure it's been a great week so far. Yeah, and I'm sure you have your favorite. We all do. I mean, when you when you work in the NBA for so long, I mean, there's players that doesn't matter where they end up. I mean, Chris Paul is one of the nicest guy I ever met. Uh, he's not a superstar. I mean, he could be, but he doesn't have that attitude, and it's it's very fresh to talk to him. So I'm always cheering for that guy. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, definitely one of the one of the nicest guys in the league, and uh, one of the reasons why he is the NBA uh, Players Association president. Um, you know, he's uh, f fully respected around the league by everyone. So, um, yeah, really nice to see him have his success uh, in another um, another organization. Um, I guess uh, let's talk about Juventus now. Uh, they released uh, their third kit uh, yesterday, I believe it was, and uh, it's this orange and black uh, very bold uh kit uh, what did you what did you think of, of of this new third jersey i think i'm younger than you darren i mean you know bold is young and young is good and you know you you need to sell some jersey you need to change sometimes man get a new t-shirt i don't know i mean <laughs> no it's that's you know commercial trend you the third jersey for most clubs is exactly that it's a jersey that people will buy because it's different. It, it's really, yeah, you, you wear that jersey maybe twice a year. <laughs> that, that's what it is. And you buy it and uh, yeah, I, I'm more concerned with players' movement right now than the jersey, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah not, not the biggest uh, news of, the, of the, the week for sure, but um, nine-time defending champion, uh, looking really great. Um, you know, being able to win that, that Serie A champion, uh, play you know, very, very well, uh, you know, not, not uh, winning a Champions League, but uh, looking great. And uh, Christian Ronaldo, um, you know, being able to bring so much to that team. And um, yeah, tell me about this. Uh, tell me about your academy. I know you had to shut down over the pandemic concerns. And um, I, I guess you're about to reopen uh, this coming week. Uh, that must be really exciting for you and uh, everyone involved in Soccer Central and, and the Juventus Academy in San Antonio. It is, it is just, and, and I was, uh, before I answer that one, I was going to touch on uh, the main, the main club. Uh, having Andre Pirlo, new coach for Juventus, uh, former player Pirlo, it's quite interesting as well. It's a, it's a gamble because, it's, you know, he hasn't coached much, <laughs> but uh, I, I like, I like the gamble. You know, he's a uh, Juventus needs to have someone from Juventus to coach that team. And uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, as far as us, I mean, it's uh we, we're probably not that it is very interesting for people in Canada, but 
COVID has done a lot of damage uh, in Texas, uh, just like Florida and California, and we've been really delaying the moment uh, to reopen. Uh, that's not the reality of many, many clubs and many sports in, in here. I mean, they've been practicing for a while. We pushed it to the end of the month. We're not going to do anything until the end of the month. And, and I think that was the, 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 the right decision because uh, two weeks ago, there was 1,500 cases a day in San Antonio. And we are now at 150 cases a day. It's still not great, but it's much better. Uh, and you know, we're talking about social distancing and everything and the mask. I, I really don't know how you do that uh, with a contact sport. As I told you, my son plays soccer, college soccer in Canada. I know what you're doing in Canada. It is drastically different in the U.S. Uh, it is what it is, as the president would say. Uh, <laughs> you have to find a way. It's, uh, I've never been in that situation, obviously, just like everybody else. But it's difficult to teach a team game, a contact game uh, in that situation. And uh, I really don't know how it's going to go. I mean, it's kind of like the, the schools are reopening. We're going to see how it goes. And the same with team sports. Uh, we have games in, uh, in a month. In one month, we have games already. It's going to be something. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, well, yeah for you, it's, it's something. I really don't know. We're in the dark. <laughs> yeah. We have all those protocols where we're going to be way more than coach. We're going to have to pay attention to a lot of new things. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to be enough. Right, yeah. Well, um, uh, you know, to go from 1,500 cases a day there to down to 150, I'm glad that um, whatever safety protocols have been put into place have obviously been working. Um, I hope, um, you know, that number can be continually reduced. Um, we had uh, really a lot of success and we were patting ourselves on the back for a really long time here north of the border. And then we had a, a recent spike where we're getting close to 80 to 100 cases a day. And it was alarming for us uh, because we hadn't seen those numbers since the very early stages of this. So, um, yeah, I know the you know, the, the world is a different place. Uh, you know, every time I go out, uh, you know, immediately I see people with masks. Uh, it, it brings it back into a reality situation. Uh, you and I watch a lot of sports so we can get away from that and, you know, think about other things in, in life. And it's, it's really nice to be able to have that break from the world. But the reality uh, of the situation is that, um, you know, COVID has taken over the world and, and uh, you know, we're living in unprecedented times. And I hope uh, when you have this reopening, I hope everybody stays safe and you can, um, you know, keep, keep the kids and keep, um, you know, your staff and everybody, uh, you know, without um, getting, uh, getting the COVID disease. And, you know, um, yeah, it, it, you know, it's scary. I, I know a lot of people that have just recently returned to work and, and all the different safety protocols are just shocking uh, that they have to do now to, you know, try to keep everybody safe and stop this, stop this disease from emerging. So, um, yeah, good luck to you and the staff. I know it's a huge undertaking and uh, it's going to be, I'm sure, quite stressful. So, um, yeah, keep safe and, and keep everybody there safe as well as you can. And, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking to you a lot in, in the future soon. And uh, hopefully it's only good news to report. Hopefully, yes. Thank you, Darren. Yeah. Yeah. And stay up there. Stay safe. Uh, keep doing what you're doing because... Uh, those are the right decisions. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's way too early to do anything like this, but we're kind of stuck with it. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, 
you know, um, yeah, we're we're happy here uh, politi politically. I think uh, we're quite happy. I know there's uh, you know a lot of political unrest down there and a lot of protests and a lot of things that um, you know the, the U.S. has to go through. And uh, you know, being your uh, northern neighbors, uh, you know, we're always uh, tuned into what's going on down there. And I'm glad you could shed some light on it from a uh, a French and Canadian perspective. Uh, you know, tell us what it's like down there uh, as often as possible. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure having you today. Talk talk soccer. Uh, this messy situation is uh, you know global. Uh, as soon as you get the inside knowledge, please uh, give me a call and I'll. Uh, Put it on my next podcast. I'd like to find out uh, as soon as we hear uh, where he's going and what's happened with him. Uh, I'd like to report it to my viewers and listeners right away. Let's do that. Yeah, hopefully it's going to be soon because I, I, I feel a little bit for Barcelona fans. I mean, it has to be so painful if that thing drags on for weeks. Uh, they don't need that. I mean, it's it's painful enough in Europe with all the you know the COVID and everything. I mean. As silly as it is, I'm talking about COVID and Messi in the same sentence. Messi is gigantic and it matters in yeah. people's life. Uh, so I hope, in, you know, they find an agreement quickly and he moves on and life goes on. Yeah. Well, uh, let's hope he goes to, you know, somebody that we, uh, you know, that you, you know, it'd be amazing if he went to Juventus, amazing if he went to PSG. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, we just talked about City, but uh, yeah, I'm going to have to, you know, go get a jersey pretty soon uh, as soon as he makes that move and, and uh, you know, give them some money to recoup the money that they're having to pay out. Uh, one and a half million euros a week he makes. So uh, that's a lot of jerseys that have to be sold to try to uh, make up the money that he's going to take. That's a good week, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We should yeah. have those more often. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the basketball. Um, yeah. Keep in really close contact with me. Uh, text me as much as you can, especially when Luca goes for another 45, 17, and 13. Uh, you know, that'll be pretty exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to this end of this first round and into the second round. Uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, we're getting some basketball fever here. Uh, there's only one. Canadian team left in the NHL. Uh, that's the Vancouver Canucks. And so uh, last year there was no Canadian teams left and that's uh, turned everybody's attention to the Raptors here in Canada. It was the first time that uh, basketball surpassed hockey in popularity in, uh, in the, the uh, late spring, early summer. And, uh, you know, if the Canucks can't uh, emerge too much farther, that'll be the case again. And uh, it'd be nice to see that. Uh, it was exciting for me to actually see, walk into a bar and see that there was more TVs tuned into basketball than there was to hockey. Not that I don't love hockey, but uh, nice to see that finally people are turning their attention to basketball here in Canada. Uh, that's good. I mean, anything that get, gets you going, that's good stuff. I'm yeah. going to watch some hockey when they play next. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All the best, Olivier. Uh, enjoy your day. I know you've got a lot, a lot on your plate. So, um, yeah, keep in really close contact and we'll talk soon. All right. Have a good one, man. Okay. Thanks. You too. Take care. All the best. Bye. Stay safe. Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. Holy cow. Uh, we've, we've seen an hour, uh, an hour and 20 minutes go by uh, already. Holy cow. That was... Uh, that was a really entertaining conversation for me. I hope you liked it as much as I did. It's so great to be able to uh, talk about such a worldwide sporting uh, you know, story and sensation that uh, Lionel Messi has decided to uh, leave Barcelona and ask for a transfer. Uh, you know, the, the soccer world and yeah. the sporting world uh, you know, was going to be discussing this and talking about this for 
days and weeks, and uh, we'll see what emerges. Uh, obviously, it was great to talk NBA basketball with Olivier. Uh, oh. We go back, uh, you know, into the mid '90s, just so long uh, being able to talk basketball, and uh, yeah, the playoffs have been really exciting and fun to watch. So, uh, thanks so much for tuning in to Complete Sports Media Podcast. Uh, please support our partners and sponsors. We've got uh, Forever Living. Berbero and Anchor as our main sponsors, anchor.fm, Forever Living. Go to our website, completesportsmedia.com, and you'll be able to uh, see all the uh, interesting things that uh, we do uh, here at Complete Sports Media. So take care of yourself. Enjoy your week. Uh, Look forward to seeing you very soon. Take care. Bye for now.